I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Late Night Vibes. Straight into it. Drive time. Drive time podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast in Ringer FC. I'm Misa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hunt. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks man. How are you? Very well indeed. Very well indeed. Not as well as Liverpool, but still very I well bet. indeed. Yeah, my goodness. Well, yeah. Now. Oof. Yeah, true. Oof. We're going to skip most of the admin today, but we hope everyone stays safe, staying well. That's the most important bit of admin. It is indeed. It's the, always the most important bit. Yeah. As you know, like we mentioned on Monday, four Stadios this week said we'd record after both the Champions League games and then again on Friday to round up all of the Europa League and Conference League stuff and some other bits and bobs that's taken place this week. So today we're recording this straight after Villarreal against Liverpool in the second leg of the Champions League. So we're going to talk about that and then we're going to touch on a couple of other games that have taken place since we last spoke. Pivotal games, yeah. Yeah, pivotal games in pivotal leagues. So let's do it after this. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, man, only one place to begin. <laughs> you always do this. No, no, it's Villarreal, okay. obviously. <laughs> Thought you going to say Fulham. It's not, it's not Gladbach. Or Bournemouth, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there would have been great shouts, to be honest. We'll get there in a sec, but Villarreal. Okay, so. Wow. Villarreal 2, Liverpool 3. Liverpool through wonderful achievement. Uh, their third visit to the final in recent years since 2018. Extremely impressive. Their record since Klopp took over in the Champions League, because obviously they went to the Europa League final as well. Yeah, that's right. Champions League final the following year, won it the year after that, last 16, last eight, and finalists again this year. But boy, did they have to work for it. They because really did. Because Real 
showed kind of exactly what they've shown a lot this season. Yep. I think we should focus on them first because yes. I was looking at the Opta attacking threat graph mm. afterwards and it is unbelievable. It's like two separate games of football. Yes, it felt like that. It felt like that. Yeah, it really did. I know it's a massive cliche game of two halves, but this really was it. Like it felt yeah. like it on the eye test. It felt like it in kind of atmosphere and vibe. Villarreal have done this all the way through the Champions League. They have, yeah. They've really given teams a game at home and tried to keep it tight away. We said after the the first leg that it wasn't a two 0 wasn't a dreadful result for them. It was obviously not the best, but this is just a sign of how good Liverpool are. I think this is the thing you have to remember about this tie. You've got two very very different sides with very 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 different levels of squad playing very different ways. And this is the thing I thought that I thought was just amazing about this tie, like super intriguing. Just the, just, yeah, just the kind of, um, so first of all, Moreno was back up front. So it allowed Chiquese to come off the bench as a super sub weapon. And it's interesting because I almost feel like Klopp saw him warming up and was like, no, no, you're not doing that to us. <laughs> you know, the real story here was Belidea who scored within three minutes. Perfect start. A superb start. Uh, Etienne Capu, long, deep cross and cuts the ball back across goal. Some say he was trying to um, shoot. I think he was trying to square it. I thought it was a brilliantly cushioned cross and Deer comes in at the far post. And that, that was a fair reflection, even in the early moments of the intensity of Villarreal's start, because what was happening with Villarreal was so interesting this, this entire first half was the spaces were so compressed. So Villarreal actually playing with a fairly high line, actually. They're playing like they're coming out, well, for the, by their standards, they'd come out slightly beyond their own penalty area. Now, the reason they were doing that was trying to draw Liverpool into a trap so they could pass out from the back and then launch the counter, which, and they played a couple of really bold passes, as we saw in the first leg, out from the back in this game. Whereas last game, they came through the middle, they came more to the flanks this time, of which more later, and they launched the counters really, really well. And what was interesting in midfield was the 50-50s, my goodness, I've never seen so many challenges where the ball could have burst. Like if the ball, if it was a beach ball, it would have burst like five times. Like some yeah. of those impacts, you know what I mean? And I, it was a funny thing that happened, you know, and I, I mentioned this game many, many times, you know, when like Leeds played at Manchester City that time mm. and De Bruyne gets yeah. the ball nicked off him. The intensity there was like, it was like half a step. And I'm not saying Liverpool were complacent. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that they would have been warned about the speed of the press. Also the surface was soaking wet. But I think the sheer speed of, of Villarreal's intensity on an individual level blew them away. It's like, we knew it was going to be quick, but not this quick. That yeah, makes I, sense. Thought, I, I thought weirdly, like after the goal, there was a few minutes where Liverpool seemed to. I thought they were really of, quite good. I thought that was yeah. Some they kind yeah, of figured yeah. it out. They kind of were just like, "All right, hang on a minute. This is yeah. ridiculous. What are we doing? Like, let's not make this a game." Mm. And what I actually found really impressive from Villarreal's point of view in that yeah. first half was that they managed to stop Liverpool regaining control of that first half and kind yes. of started to impose more of their own will on Liverpool a, bit, a little bit. Do you see that bit when um, is a Van Dijk steps into midfield at one point? Yeah. Like when he came that far up, I was like, this, this is a man that knows. And actually, you know the, the thing about Modric's face being stressed? Yeah. This was, this was the turn. <laughs> this was Van Dijk. There should be a whole gallery, this Champions League of like, Footballers who never normally see stressed. Modric in the other game and this one, like Modric, like going, you know, in the first half looking afraid, almost not afraid, but like concerned. Van Dyke looked deeply concerned at certain points in the first half because they couldn't, the angles of passing, the, the, Villarreal closed off, closed off the, the uh, lanes of passing. So 
while Liverpool had a couple of really good chances in the first half, it didn't feel like systemic attacking pressure, which is what they managed in the second half. It didn't feel like they were coordinating their passing movements so well. They were completely disrupted. I don't think they were allowed to settle, yeah. No, they were completely it. disrupted, and, and, yeah. It was exactly, we, we talked about this after the first leg, it was exactly what Everton tried to do to them at Anfield and didn't really have the tools to, to make the most of it. Yeah. And it was exactly what Villarreal tried to do in the first leg and for a while did okay with it. I thought so, yeah, yeah. What happened here is that you could just see the impact of of them playing at home because they've done it to, I mean, they absolutely cooked Juve. Yeah. You know, they probably should have put Bayern out of sight in that first leg, to be honest. Can I be honest with you, actually, what happened to Liverpool in this first half? I've never seen an air fryer before. I've never used an air fryer before, but I saw that and I was like, oh, that's what an air fryer feels like. That's what, that's what it must footballing feel like. equivalent of an air fryer. It was, it absolutely was. That first half, my God. I mean, I, I remember thinking at about half an hour, mm. I was like, Liverpool have to be extremely careful here because they're in danger of really losing control of this game. And talk about people looking stressed. Like, I haven't actually seen Klopp that stressed on the touchline for a long time. Mm. You know, like for the, for the derby, for example, most of the first leg, he just spent the whole time stood in the same place on his technical area with his hands in his pockets. Mm. And this time he was like pacing and looking super stressed. And when that second goal went in as well, the least stressed or the less stressed, least stressed, less stressed man on the football pitch felt like Etienne Kapoor in that first half. Mm. Two assists, a Francis Coquelin header. And I was like, shit, this is actually quite bad. And if I'm being honest, I think the timing of the goal, I don't think it saved Liverpool in that scenario. I think it was kind of almost at the best time because it allowed them to get back in. Klopp made that change. Uh, Luis Diaz on for Jota. Diego Jota. Yeah. And the second half was like a completely different game. I think that's a really great shout, what you said. And it's funny because the second goal, weirdly enough, I thought could have been real danger because they mm. just survived the penalty shout, which I thought was... I, I, I can see why the penalty wasn't given. Look, I'm not going to litigate that again. I can see why it wasn't given. But yeah, I think I can. the stroke of half time for the second goal to go in, I think the thing about that was good was it forced Liverpool into an immediate change. I think 1-0 at the half, you might come out and keep things as is. But I think the thing about Jota, it wasn't so much that he was playing badly, it was that they needed to reconfigure to give them more problems in wide areas because we saw what Diaz did against Everton, right? When a team's been playing with that intensity, it's going to be tired. Like, you know, Villarreal could not maintain that level of intensity second half. It's just not possible. And we've seen what he does against even slightly tiring legs. We've seen how devastating he can be. And the only answer, the only argument I would have for starting him from the bench and not in the starting 11, is that he can do that. And in games that stay tight, like finals, until half an hour to go, he is absolutely devastating in that capacity. And the trouble he caused, my God, the second he came on... He was a menace. It, it was, yeah, it was, it was an absolute menace, yeah. Although I put it in the right house group that when he tried that scissor kick, that was <laughs> probably the least... The least quote-unquote Klopp's Liverpool thing that Luis Diaz has done since he's arrived. That was because not about always, the collective, yeah. Because we've was, always talked about how much he's just like, since he's arrived, player. he's just looked like such a Liverpool player from the jump. We're like, how have they done this? I mean, obviously we know because they scouted him forever as one of about 300 players. I imagine Liverpool's scouting department's like minority report. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just like all these strict, no, get me the expected threat on him. Give me the... <laughs> and I put in the right his house group, just head it, lad. Yeah, to be honest with you, I think he could have brought it down and side-fitted it in. He had so much time 
mm. by the time the ball reached it. But that, that's so often the case in these games, like adrenaline, like the ball moving fast. Um, also, the surface wasn't the best. So, Well, no, I mean, for those who don't know, it's, there's been torrential rain in that mm. part of Spain. Rain in Spain. And you couldn't really have told that from the quality of the passing and the technique. And I thought all the players did really well, actually, considering, because there were a couple of times where water was splashing up and you're like, this is this can't be fun to play and this must have been stressful there's an occasion in the first half and Villarreal played out from the back and another one Liverpool did and it's funny because the commentators are like oh my goodness why are Liverpool playing back and I'm like because they're preparing an incredible attack and they almost they just had one tackle that got made on the halfway line and if that wasn't made they were through there were so many moments when the teams just were in sync and this is the thing you see two extremely well coached teams at this level just going at each other. But in the end, it's, it's really sad, actually, the way the game turned because, I mean, Diaz had been brilliant, but it was a mistake from John Marulli that let Fabinho score. And that was a real shame. Goal did kind of make me laugh a little bit because I tweeted that, you know, no matter how high the level of football is with all of those elite tactical brains, <laughs> all-time coaches and some of the best players we've ever seen in a Champions League semi-final, sometimes all it takes... It's just smashing it at the goalkeeper. Yeah, it's true. Sometimes it just works. Yeah. We've seen it a thousand times. The funny thing, Roy, Roy Neymar, spelled R-O-Y-N-E-M-E-R, who follows the Argentina national side and has been watching really for years, was like, this is a bit of a problem in terms of like, unbelievable shot stopper, but there mm -hmm. are these kind of like, you know, these consistency issues. And it's such a shame for him because I've seen him play superbly this year, uh, both in the Champions League and La Liga. It's just a shame that this was one of his off nights. And this is a classic thing you see with goalkeepers, right? It's not like strikers where you can redeem yourself five minutes later with a, a chart, with a, with a goal you score. You're trying to like, um, you see it with defensive players. You saw with David Luiz in the semi-final in the 7-1 against, yeah, um, yeah. against Germany. My apologies to Brazil fans. It's like you make that mistake initially and then you're constantly chasing it to try and make up. Yeah. But you can't, you've got to let the game come to you. And the thing, if I've got any criticism like, of him. Steven Gerrard yeah. slipped that time against Chelsea. Like he spent exactly. the entire second half trying to score a wonder goal. Exactly. I'm not even trying to knock it. It's more like the hardest thing to do in a situation like that, when the blood is up and the fear is up, is to just let the game come to you. Mm. And I think if he'd let the game come to him, they might still have been okay. I still think, to be honest, I still think that second half, Liverpool added so much jet fuel. I don't think Villarreal were going to survive that. Well, let's talk about uh, Rudy in a sec, because... I, mm. Uh, well, actually, maybe I can talk about it now because we, well, you specifically mm. stuck up for him a little bit after that first leg, even yeah. though I don't think the first leg was his best game by any means. Mm. I don't think he was quite as poor as people had made out. No, I don't think so. No, no. He's got the fourth best save percentage in La Liga, third best for clean sheets. That's the thing. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like, this is the one, it's what, what an awful night to have an off night. Mm-hmm. It's a real shame because, you know, and it's funny because you saw, you saw, you know, you saw Capu get the red card very late as well. And um, the Capu red was really sad, but the one mm. thing that was nice about it was he got to like walk to the bench by himself and get the standing ovation by himself. Yeah, <laughs> game was done by that anyway. Two assists in a Champions League semi, man. You're cooking if you're doing that. Two anyway. assists and two yellows. He got his Musok Wonga moment. You want to listen. <laughs> Etienne Capu with the most Musok Wonga of Champions League semi-final appearances. Two assists. Followed by two yellow cards. <laughs> off he goes. All eyes on me. See, getting sent off in big game, that's the dream red card, isn't it? That's it. It's like most people's, <laughs> most people's football dream is like, oh, scoring the winner in the Champions League final for the club I support. Moose is just like, big game red card. <laughs> <laughs> my dream, my dream. 
Well, yeah, I was going to say he was very calm in the first half and very stressed in the second because he got the first book just after that Fabinho goal. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it was because you can feel the game slipping away. Like this is the thing mm. about um, Villarreal that's fascinating. They've got this, it's actually quite Atleti. And you know, at that point when Atleti used to play the midfield, um, the four centre midfielders across the midfield. And in this situation, like they kind of have the same or similar thing. You've got Parejo, you've got Capu. Uh, Coquelin. These are the kind of three centre midfielders. And then you've got La Celsa who gives you a bit of width, but can, can play central. It's it's a yellow wall, basically, right? It's a mm. formidable yellow wall. And then you're relying on a bit of width. And that relies on I mean, the type of intensity that you're having to, the kind of ground you're having to cover. Like we say, it's not sustainable, especially when a team raises raises the ante. And there was a, there was a fascinating moment just before the crucial goal gets scored by Diaz when Chukweze is warming up. And I was thinking like only half joking that Klopp was like, you can't score the winner if we get the winner first. There was an L because, because that, that injection of pace at that time, that sub, I think, is a really dangerous one. Chukwe's way with that, you know, that skill, that speed, that vision, that playmaking coming on, half an hour to go, still a goal in it. It's very dangerous. So the timing of, of the Diaz goal, it just, it was the best possible. Yeah, that was it. And then he had that absolute wild one where he came out for the Mane goal. Yeah, which, really coming up, what, 40 yards off his line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was actually quite reminiscent in a way of the Ramsdale coming off his line against West Ham, but a little less. I thought you were going to say Lehman in the Champions League final. Right? Thanks, mate. Sorry. Thanks, Thanks very much. <laughs> thought we were friends, but you know, whatever. Oh, no. Oh, I don't no. know why. Why would, you, why would you want to remind me of that? I just Sorry. don't. Because it's always there. It's always there. Do most people say, you know, what's the main difference between you and Musa? And I say, <laughs> I don't like to remind Musa of <laughs> the pains of his football fandom. <laughs> but he really does like to, uh, to really see me go through it, you know, 16 years after the fact. <laughs> there, was, there, was, there was quite a fun bit where I had, um, I'm in a WhatsApp group with a couple of the few Liverpool fans and I was like, it's going to be fine. And I knew it was going to be fine. Yeah, it was going to be fine. But I was also like, like, it's cool. Like, but it was kind of like, guys, it's okay. But I got actually. What I liked about this game was what I liked about, it, and I did. I think I tweeted this. I was just like, "It's such a great workout." In the context of each tournament, you get those tests. You know, we said it so often. These big tournaments, you need to be battle hard, and that really has given Liverpool a thorough examination of their squad depth, what they can do with it. Uh, we know what Diaz can do now. That's well established. Be interesting to see what Klopp does in terms of starting with him. I almost wonder that it's a kind of like a Camavinga thing, where yeah, Camavinga so dangerous with that energy late on. You know. Yeah, also, I think what we've talked about this before, and I think this is quite commonplace now in a lot of football managers' thinking, mm. is that they look at a plan for the whole 90 minutes. Yes, yes. That's the great thing about this Liverpool side. We've talked about them many, many times, just the options that they have. Absolutely. Allows you to problem solve for multiple different scenarios, which I think is one of the, the most dangerous things about this. And if you think about it, and this is why I think also, some of the mainstream coverage of Villarreal after the first leg really, I really didn't like, is that you saw tonight, I think, a prime example of how just on another level, to, to be honest, let's be frank, most pundits' understanding of modern football, mm. the way that elite coaches are managing two-legged ties now is like beyond, I think, people's comprehension quite a lot of the time. Mm. Yeah. Because it is the tie. Yeah. More often than not, the game isn't won or lost in that first leg. Yeah. Unless you get absolutely hammered. Yeah. And you saw this. Villarreal were, after three halves of football, 
they'd been the better side for one half, one of those three. Yeah. And they were level in the tie. Yeah. Not to everyone's taste, admittedly. Yeah. But for the resources that they have and the personnel that they have, I thought that at halftime, you could have sat there and thought, actually, from a coaching perspective so far, Emery's really done pretty well here. You then saw the slightly forced, I think, but also slightly a little bit more of an Emery thing where it was just making that next step after half time mm. and Liverpool bringing on Diaz. I mean, that Fabinho goal, for example. It's the sort of constant pressure, though. That was it. That period leading up to it was the first time in the game where Liverpool had really been able to dominate those spaces and yes. make those continued passes. And you just saw that eventually it was going to come. And then after that, it was just it was same like as, watching, the same, yeah, same as yeah. they did in the first leg. Two quick goals, yeah. really. They What they did was they almost like vacuum packed that half. Yeah. You know, the, the, the ability of Villarreal to come out from the back all of a sudden was that because a lot of that work was coming through Foyt in the right flank, right? That's yeah. See how they're playing out. The best passing move out from the back they did was um, really going wide right to Foyt to come up. And the pressing was just not of the same quality. You put Diaz there and all of a sudden that thing was just locked off. Mm-hmm. locked off but like you said using the vacuum pack analogy it's like it doesn't um, it doesn't matter how small the piercing is yeah as soon as there is a piercing that's They're it gone. yeah exactly absolutely and they knew that too so you know really impressive from Liverpool Emery just should get all the credit for what he did uh, particularly in that first half and I would just I just think there was just a moment Emery was coaching the counter in the first half after Villarreal launched a really nice counter and you just saw Emery on the side just like like in the best, micromanaging is not always a bad thing and just micromanaging every aspect. And I was just thinking to myself, the thing about this team is with Villarreal, unfortunately, the resources being what they are, they just don't have the margin for error that like, that Liverpool do, for example. They mm. just don't like. So I think, I think it's fair to say that he coached them beyond their, cap- not beyond, no, to the very edge of their capabilities. And I think if he's disappointed about anything, it's the margin of defeat. I would have loved to see a one a one goal margin on aggregate here. Not because it would have reflected the fair score. I think a two goal margin was fairer, but just because I think the three two was just like it soured it a little bit. Just in terms of the individual errors and all the rest of it. And I don't you know, at the end of the day they're gonna go away with a five two aggregate defeat. I think that a four two or three two would have been like it would have felt felt better maybe I think. Yeah, I mean the four two or the five two, whatever, I think it kind of just shows Liverpool's dominance in that second half and the second leg. Yeah, and that's, also, fair, that's To be fair. honest, they probably the, could have had another one in the, the first, first leg. leg. Yeah, yeah. What was really interesting for me, you look at the reception that the players got at the end mm. before full time, all of the crowd was standing, scarfs up, singing, showing an appreciation for what this team has achieved this year off the back of obviously winning their first European trophy last season. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. In a two-year stint, Emery has done an amazing job there, really, on the whole. I, they really need to... I say do, they, they do need to focus a little bit and try and match that up with the league. I think it's obviously very difficult to do that over sustained 38-game season. Winning the Europa League against Manchester United and then being knocked out in the semi-final of the Champions League the following season by Liverpool is absolutely amazing. And it this is. was the great thing about this tie for me personally was that it was kind of like, obviously they would have wanted to get to the final, but it was kind of win-win in a way in terms of like mm. stories. Villarreal have this kind of heroic defeat in a way you know, because they got back into the tie. Yeah. Liverpool had to really work for it. And Klopp said afterwards, actually, that he said, this feels like the first one, first final, and it feels special because they had to really work for it. And he mm. was talking before about how they're going to suffer because he knew what was coming. Yeah, he, you know, and he yeah. knew how tricky this could have been. And the thing that I think is worth really pointing out here is that there are a lot of sides, good sides, 
who would have been in that game state at half time and not come out of that in that second half the way that Liverpool did. Well, this is the thing about Liverpool in this game, and I think I might have said it earlier, but I want to repeat it if I did. It's at no point did I feel they were being cocky. No, no, at no, no point did I feel this team was, because the mistakes they made were not, they weren't being overindulgent in attack or midfield. It was more like, it was just the sharpness was just absolutely explosive. So the things they were trying weren't working. Like for, for example, Thiago actually, if anything, if he's guilty of anything, it was slightly rushing the play. So like his first half, Thiago was sprinting more than I normally see him sprint. And he was shooting from places I don't normally see him shoot from. So I was like, oh, like he's slightly almost like he's not letting the game come to him. He's not letting him flow because he can't get in his rhythm. But that's not complacency. That's almost like overcompensation. Mm. But at no point did I feel that Liverpool were like, we're not in a fight here. That yeah. makes sense. And I was about to drop the mentality monsters thing. And I've just seen a tweet from Tom Ulnut from the AFP. He said, Klopp attends a Spanish translation in the press conference. We were mentalidad monstruos, something like this, so we can <laughs> work it out. <laughs> Let's focus on Liverpool a little bit because some stats mm. for you. They've become the fourth team to reach as many as 10 European Cup or Champions League finals after Real Madrid, AC Milan and Bayern Munich. Amazing. Miguel Delaney tweeted, European Cup slash Champions League final appearances by managers at English clubs. Ferguson four, Klopp three. Paisley three, Clough two, Fagan two, Benitez two, and then it's Tuchel, Di Matteo, Guardiola, Barton, Armfield, Grant, Wenger, Pochettino, all on one. Three finals. Another thing I just saw, BT Sport tweeted, and this is really interesting, kind of wild if you think about it, Liverpool will now play in every possible game they could have played in this season. That's incredible. It's That's incredible. absolutely fucking wild, right? Incredible. They're here for all of it. It's absolutely wild. Should we give the last word to Andrew Robertson? We have to. He said, we should never take these days for granted. Words to live by, in life as in football. Congratulations, Liverpool fans. Many congratulations. I'd like to be our fans, but what, what an achievement getting this what far. A journey. Yep. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! All right, man, before we go, because it's very, very late here, yeah. we need to shout out some other stuff that's happened this week. Do you want to begin? Should we begin in the championship in England? Because there were some massive games taking place Monday night and Tuesday night. Congratulations, first of all, to Marco Silva's Fulham. Clinching the championship with a 7-0 win over Luton. Luton, who are high in the championship as well. 7-0 win, 106 goals. Yeah, Luton are in the final playoff spot as well. Yeah. So this is a sixth place team against a first place team. Luton have just beaten Nottingham Forest recently. Like, mm. this is a really good Luton team. And so, you know, Marco Silva, really, he's been in a bit of a journey. As a Fulham, of course, in their own way. 
And to bring them back up is just remarkable, but in this style as well, in this absolute style. Um, they've stumbled a bit in recent games, but it's natural to lose a bit of momentum when you're just playing like they are. And every time I teams check on them, they're just absolutely torching teams. They've been outstanding. 43 goals for Mitrovic, breaking Guy Whitting's record of 42 in that division. And like, here's the thing. There's a lot of talk about, can they sustain it? Can they stay up? Look, I like to be an optimist only because if you look at Brentford and what they did, mm. and Brentford have really just come up and played their football and reaped dividends. If Fulham come up and play their football, they'll hopefully be all right. They should be all right, I think. Just a really exciting time for Craven Cottage crowd. Bournemouth, though, yes, left it late. They did it. Second place. Scott Parker has got Bournemouth straight back into the Premier League. First time of asking. And he's done a really good job there this year. Yeah, really superb. It's really hard to come back up, straight back up. Um, just because the championship is, and you know, I know, I know that teams get relegated to have resources and payments, but it's still such a tough league. Uh, Bournemouth beating Nottingham Forest 1-0, which, oh, Forest. I think, to be honest though, Forest. Actually, like, quick, quick shout out. So this game, just to give context for this game. So basically Bournemouth were really worried about this. It's funny because I've got friends in the WhatsApp group. One's a massive Bournemouth fan, one's a massive Forest fan. And this was really important because the goal difference is very, very similar. Mm. So Forrest had won this away at Bournemouth and they go into the last game and their destiny's in their hands and automatic promotions in their hands. And like, of course, Forrest haven't been up in the top division for a while. Yeah, if they'd won, they would have been level on points with Bournemouth, but they would have had a better goal difference. So right, they, absolutely. Yeah. So Kiefer Moore scoring seven minutes from the end to take Bournemouth up automatically, which is an incredible result for them. But it's, it's so disappointing with Nottingham Forest and they've got to get ready for the playoffs now. But considering where they were at the start of the season, I was actually, I had the privilege, I think I said before, of being at a Forest game a few weeks ago when they beat Birmingham 2-0 with a great second half performance. James Garner standing out in particular. Mm. But, you know, what Steve Cooper's done there is remarkable. And I know that they've got to like, you know, pick themselves up after this. But just to give him praise for that, like the Forest fans in and around the ground were just like, this man has worked a miracle. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, they were bottom of the league when he took over in September, end mm. of September. And the fact that they're going to finish third or fourth, they can't finish any lower than fourth. It's unbelievable the job that he's done there. Yeah, like they, we, they, we, we don't, we don't get got, to yeah, talk yeah, about a lot of yeah. championship. And to be honest, I don't, yeah. we don't get to watch as much as we'd like yeah. because of all the other stuff that we cover. Mm. But my God, that league is tough. Yeah. As a second tier, it's, the championship is genuinely one of the most entertaining leagues in the world. We always go on about the, the Switer Bundesliga being chaos and fun and the best, mm. of, the best of Liga developed. But like the championship is unbelievable. And, like, and this is something we were kind of talking about the other day with the Bundesliga, uh, the Switer Bundesliga, in terms of giants in, in the second tier. Yeah. This club won back to back European Cups. Back to back European Cups. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. They're, they're a huge club. And I. You know, I hope they make it. They've, they've scored a fair few um, this year. You might say that in just in the running, goals maybe not quite finding the net in maybe crucial points. They might look back at the Luton game and the Bournemouth game as well as, as games where they could have done with a bit more firepower. But overall, just an outstanding season. And yeah, like, well, best of luck at Evan in the playoffs, really, because the championship playoffs are just the most stressful. <laughs> There's something else. There's something else. Yeah, I mean, for Nottingham Forest, I can't really stress how, as a neutral how great it would be to see that. And that's no disrespect to any other of those teams because, you know, they'd all be worthy of coming up. But to see Forrest returning back to the Premier League after, what, 20 odd years? Mm. Especially with all of the ownership struggles they had. They dropped down to the third tier as well. And mm. 
It would just be unbelievable to see him back. It's weird because I feel like also, obviously just mentioned Luton before. I, I think I mentioned this before on the podcast. I spoke to Mick Harford actually uh, mm. a few years ago when they'd just gone, they'd been docked 30 points just trying to keep them up and they ended up going, you know, dropping out of the league altogether. And that whole, that whole arc, that whole return is, is just incredible too. So yeah, shout out to them as well. But yeah, props to Fulham, props to Bournemouth, back in the Premier League for next season. Um, in Germany, oh boy, there was a pretty seismic result. Leverkusen beating Eintracht Frankfurt 2-0 on Monday in Leverkusen meant that they are not nailed on, but they're looking pretty good for Champions League with two games to go. But in Gladbach, on the other hand, Gladbach beat RB Leipzig 3-1, which means that with just two games to go, Freiburg have Champions League qualification in their own hands. Ridiculous. Unbelievable. They're a point clear of Freiburg, uh, they're a point clear of Leipzig now in the final Champions League spot. Their running's trickier. They host Union and then they go away on the final day of the season to Leverkusen. That's tasty. That's tasty. If uh-huh. Leverkusen can secure Champions League qualification against Hoffenheim this weekend, then who knows? Maybe they'll Go a little bit on the beach. Leipzig host Augsburg. And then on the final day of the season, they go to Armenia Bielefeld. I mean, that's on paper an easier running, but at this point, who, who fully knows? But whatever happens, qualifying for Europe, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Just an amazing job Christian Strike is doing. Yeah. Refer everyone again to your essay at ringer.com forward slash soccer. Fine essay. One of your best pieces. Which is a oh, thanks, mate. One more game we should talk about in the Premier League? Yeah, sure. Manchester United 3, Brentford 0. Um, some impressive signs for Manchester United in this. I thought they were good. Yeah, Juan Mata. I mean, if you, if you surround Juan Mata with pace and movement, he plays well. It's not news. I saw a lot of comment about preferring him in that role because he controls tempo unlike Bruno Fernandes. Well, absolutely. Like, this is the thing. Like, Bruno Fernandes, look, brilliant player. And also... In games where you require patient playmaking and control of tempo, he won't give you that. He just doesn't. So if you have him in a different role and not so central, then you get the best of both worlds. He can go and create and be a bit more freewheeling. And then you have someone like Matter just locking down the 10. And like, you know, Matter is interesting because there's times when I've seen him play number 10 and it's almost like he's playing like a six. He's just regulating the ball, keeping it simple, one, two touch, moving. Cristiano Ronaldo was again extremely sharp. Um, obviously had a very difficult few weeks. Mm. On-field performances have actually sort of bumped slightly um, and he was playing with actually a lot of freedom. So it's just one of watching this game, I just thought to myself, this team has really been undercoached for several seasons running. And this is not a knock on Rangnick. It's more like you look at the tools United have. And I actually mentioned this on Twitter. I said, look, Donny van der Beek in a system with a coach who understands him is outstanding. And people wrote to me and were like, I'm not sure about that. I was like, no, like Donny van der Beek is a legit elite footballer. He's an elite footballer. And if he's put in the right system, in the right context, he will thrive. It is as simple as that. He ran around the Bernabeu that year. Like a puppy had just arrived to a new home. Yeah. My corner, my corner, my corner. Oh, I like that, but I'll take that too. Someone said to me, like, he's very good at making the late runs into the box. There's so much more to his game than that. He's just something that regulates controls possession. Like in a dream world, of course, United would also snap up Frankie de Jong. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Christian Eriksen was great. He was great. He's just, look, he getting him back on the pitch was like, we're just happy to have him back on the pitch and how he's playing. Like 
He's not playing off adrenaline. He's just a brilliant Premier League footballer who's had appropriate rest and incredible medical care. And what I love for him, and I said this so many times before I think of the podcast, that he's exactly what Brentford needed. Like he's kept them up comfortably. Like, you know, not, not he hasn't kept them up, it's not one man team, but he's knitted together Brentford's attack just when they needed that catalyst, just when people were working out what Brentford did, he came in and changed the tactical conversation for them. And now they can just enjoy, they can look forward to their summer. It's really, well, really, mm, yeah, mm, yeah, I mean, yeah. they're not mathematically safe yet. They feel safe. I'm but, speaking to know, existence. I'm speaking to existence. You know, I think they'll be okay. I think, I think they'll need... be fine. I think we have, they'll be absolutely fine. There we, that's the kiss of death, isn't it? <laughs> it's like me praising so. Napoli. Don't say that. <laughs> Well, let's get out of here quick before Brentford fans find us. That's true, actually. All right, everyone. Well, we hope you enjoyed that late study of late, study of late night. We should, do, we should do our little hushed late night voice. Thanks for tuning in to study of late night. We should. Play a bit of lounge music in the background. Smooth. Take care down the motorway, people. Yeah. <laughs> we will be back after the other Champions League semi-final between Real Madrid and Manchester Drive City. home for Christmas. It's May. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm speaking of music, playing out on brand new one from Lord and Digo. Lovely. Tracks called The Fire This Time. Don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Check the Stadio Outros place on Spotify. This one will be at the top. And we'll be back after Real Madrid, Manchester City. Another Can't late wait. night. You don't care to add anything, Lisa? Nothing further. And we'll take it out. All right, much love, everyone. We'll be back tomorrow. See you then. See ya.